Today's episode of The Learning Factory is brought to you by the letter A and the number 7. It's episode 7, right? It is. It is. <laughs> All right. It is. Uh, thank you, you little piss ant. <laughs> you are listening to The Learning Factory. Please identify and prioritize your reasons for listening. Welcome back to The Learning Factory, episode 7. Today we're talking about... Uh, letters of the alphabet. Criteria A. Criteria yes. A. A is for analyzing and inquiry. Yeah, we're going to skip all the way through the alphabet to inquiry there. But yeah, you get the gist. A is for analyzing. It's our first criteria. If you want to use the traditional vanilla route around the design cycle. And just in case any of those of you that didn't um, tune into the stop, drop and roll up your sleeves episode last week, uh, Today's episode came about from a, a colleague of mine who's will be going into design, is aware of the strands, but just was asking some questions about what do those strands actually look like in the classroom. Um, and so we sort of thought that was actually a, a good idea to, to actually think about that and, and share some of the ways that we bring those famous four numbers to life. Probably they get a bad rap. A one to four, don't they? I think people tend to just shove them out of the way and then get into the the fun ones, as we were saying in our first two episodes. But I think they're they're pretty good. Well, it's it can it's be. like anything it it can be as it can be as boring as batshit. But I guess that tends to be reflective of the person that's leading the lesson. Yeah, or just the mood you're in at the time. I I have had my fair share of shit A one lessons. I'm not gonna lie. Should should we review? Each criteria strand in its in its entirety, and um, before before moving on, so we can get a slightly more structured approach to this. Or, or do you just want to? And then we could sort of simplify them if we wanted to. Yeah. So well, I've, I was just thinking we can just work our way through a one, two, three, four, um, and talk about you know what what that looks like for us in our classroom. So we will be explaining and justifying the need for a solution to a problem. So you're finding a design problem basically. Finding it, justifying it, explaining it. Well, it depends on which year level, right? Like mm. if you're teaching, you know, M5s, MYP5s, yes, they need to go and find their problem. If you've got kids fresh off the boat from PYP, you're going to give them the problem. And it can um, be quite contrived as well if you want or, or a little bit out yeah. there. And I think this is a, a good way of doing it is what, you know, what you used to do where you're, you're giving them a, a provocation, whether it's a, a photo or a video, just a short clip, it could be even a GIF, to get them thinking. Yeah, we had one about packaging. I think I showed them a, a picture of a ship shipping ship shipping shipping ships. Google it, yes. it's fun. Uh, <laughs> but it was all about packaging. It was, it was it, quite, quite a good unit. And that's it. And it allows them then to make that, like they can always bring it back to that and then they can think about, okay, well, yes, this is what the problem is. They've got something that triggers that thought. It's not just a, a, a paragraph that mm-hmm. they were given to say what the problem is. But I think that's on to an, another part. So you finished what you were going to say. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that when you give a paragraph as a provocation or whatever, you can often be not confused, but you can often sort of... Uh, double dip into the design brief later on and and students are like well i wrote a paragraph here or you gave me a paragraph here and now you're asking me to do another one here 
ah, I'm confused. What do all these things mean? So maybe doing it in a different format, whether it be some sort of provocation through media might, might be better, but all sort of all, all sizes fit none for this. It could be yeah. anything. And that's it. It's about, so you're, you've got your provocation, which is the problem. What kids tend to do, which is a bit of a mistake is then they tell you what they're going to make, how, what they're going to do to solve that problem. And you don't want to know that now because you don't need to know what, what it is that they're going to create to solve this problem. All you need to know is what, that there is a problem and why it needs to be solved. So getting them to focus more on the why, why is that it? Why is that a problem? Why is that an issue? Think about um, problems that you may have in the classroom that, you know, okay, this was the problem. This is how we solved it sort of thing. So, um, and this is why we needed to solve it. So getting them to, to then see it on a, you know, in a different setting where they can then see, okay, that was the problem. That's why it needed to be solved. And then that's what the solution was at the end. So they can see that full, full process, yeah. I think can help them. It gives them, it drives them forward. It gives them a bit of purpose as they, as they move through the cycle, they can connect it back and it gives that interconnectedness. You're not just doing a process. You can, you can bring it full circle if you want to. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, and and, and this, and I often say to the kids, this doesn't need to be, you know, you get some kids that write paragraph, 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 paragraph. Like they have four pages written about this. It's like you, you can do this in two statements. Yep. You're stating what the problem is, or you've got an image with a, with a caption. Yep. And then you're saying why it needs to be solved. Like it's, it's very quick. Um, another good way to do it is with your, your elevator pitch. Yeah, you've got 30 seconds. Go. What are you doing? Yeah. Now we're we're lucky here where we've got a we've got an elevator right near the design room. We're on the top floor, mm. which is three. <laughs> well, technically in most countries it would be the second floor because there'd be the first floor and the ground floor. I jump in the elevator with, you know, five or six kids and we go down to ground and one of them makes their pitch. And then we come back up again and another one's making their pitch. And then we go back down again. And if it's not good enough, do you kick them out? Yeah. You're getting out at level two. <laughs> <laughs> not good enough. Out. And then eventually it's like, uh, it's like some sort of a death match. Whoever makes it to the top floor wins. That's it. But that then they, they then make the connection as to what an elevator pitch is too. Right. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I don't care. You have got, until that door opens when we either get to the bottom or to the top and then you stop. Yeah. And that's what, that's what they'll re really do. If they became a designer, they'd like, well, you've got your client and you need to sell this idea to them or, or you've got your target yeah. audience. You need to convince them that this is a thing they want to have. Yeah, you've got like seconds to do that. They don't care about the research. Yeah. They don't care about all the things you've done. It's like, just, yeah, just get, get the point across quickly, sharp, yeah, you, concise. You, you got to hook, hook the fish. Yeah. Then worry about you can worry about then you can worry about reeling it in, but you got to get the bite first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the emphasis here, I think students almost they they put in almost too much effort here, and then they negate to to put in enough later on in the in the criteria. Yeah. So for me, this is simple. This is like an image with a couple of uh, captions, or or a you know. A 15, 20 second elevator pitch. And what would you say to 
people say like, okay, we're all doing a common project. So I need 20 different uh, statements. Can we do this collaboratively? Can we do a joint construction? What can we do? They've been told their entire school life that they have to come tell it, say what the, uh, what the solution is, mm. how they're going to solve the problem. And now we're not actually asking for that. We're just asking them to tell us what the problem is and why it's a problem. That can be challenging. So I think, yeah, younger kids, yeah, you can work, work together. Um, it's quite easy to, you know, fabricate a problem for those early, early year levels. And, and because you might sort of be manipulating it a little bit for, for some of the, the, to draw out skills that you want to develop for later on down the track. Yeah, you're building towards something, definitely. And I think that this whole criteria is just laying the foundations you're building towards developing the idea, developing the solution later. You're not trying to get it solved day one because that, that would negate the yeah. process. Yeah. 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 All right, so we, we've decided we've got a problem now. This sounds very familiar to the first podcast. We saw, you've got a problem, you've moved on, you're doing some research, which again yeah. is a tricky one. This is one where people, yeah, I find people just tend to write paragraphs and paragraphs of, of statements about random topics they have researched. Yeah. And this is one where I guess there's a bit of a divided camp too amongst teachers as well about, well, where do you do your research? And it's like, well, this is asking you to prioritize your main points of mm. research that you need yeah. to develop the solution, not the main points of research that you did. It's not all the research you did. It's what you needed to know. Yeah. This is, this is making your plan. So, and that's what we often call this. This is just your research plan, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's where you're coming up with possible sources. So, you know, they don't have to, they can be thinking of websites. They can do a Google search and go and explore some sites and put down some possible sites, or maybe they list particular types of books that they might use. Mm. Um, the key thing for them is to know it's, it's possible. This is where I might look and might find the answer to this particular question or topic of research. Yeah. And one thing that I do point out is that the internet is not <laughs> a source and neither yeah. is Google. That's like saying the source I'm going to use is the library. Yep. Not the librarian. Who is actually a source? Yes. But there we go. Yeah. It's oh yeah, it's it's in the library. Where? It's in there somewhere. Yeah, it's on the internet. Yeah. Great. Yeah, cheers. That's right. And same with YouTube. Like Yeah, yeah like me, there's loads of the, give me the channel at who, least. Who's the exactly. Yeah. Um and then just allowing them, I guess you'd need to do a little bit where you particularly for the younger kids about you know the difference between primary and secondary research. Um what what constitutes a primary source? What's a secondary source? Informing them of the the importance of having balance amongst the two. Um, yeah, and even just getting the small ones out there with clipboards to collect data, old fashioned stuff like go go look around the school, find some data that relates to the problem. Yeah. Go, and, go and physically do it. And for me, this is where I start to bring in some of the the skills, teaching some of the skills that they're going to need for that unit which allows to break up the boring part of of criterion a where it, it tends to be a bit more 
on the computer a little bit more than the other the other criteria but by breaking it up you know getting the kids out there using scraps of wood to practice wood joints to practice skills with with the hand tools so you, that way like last week where we were talking about safety and inquiry you're going through that safety part mm-hmm. so you don't need to worry about that as much later on um but it's also it's it's some primary research for them so they can add that in that this is you know this is some research the possible source oh oh actually my design teacher might be a good starting point who knew Um, we knew something exactly so trying to get that that little balance there of getting them up and about because you know kids want to do design because they want to do practice they want to make stuff yeah whether it's you know digital or food or or materials so giving them that opportunity to be able to do that i think is important and primary research is where they tend to struggle a little bit in getting that balance they can find heaps of stuff on the net for secondary but primary like authentic primary research tends to be a little bit harder for them yeah i think as well for getting that primary research done even in digital so digitals you you could be spending 15 weeks on a computer if you're if you wanted to and not to say that there's anything particularly wrong with that but you could get out there and do a bit of primary research if you're doing a coding based unit you're learning one of the tools you're going to use is involving robotics or code or something like that. Well, does your, does your school have any Lego robots? Does it have anything that we can spend five minutes putting together a block program or ripping one off the internet and putting it into this robot and just watching what it does and how does it work and then examining how we can change that. So then you're learning that particular brand of coding, that language of coding through watching something actually happen. And then rather than just going, oh, there's a YouTube video about how to use Python. Great. Or I did a course yeah, yeah. on Photoshop. Well, that's great. But why don't you make yourself a new um, avatar for school, for your school thing, instead of just learning and watching the YouTube video, make your own Photoshopped whatever and go and do that as research. Yeah. Now, the important thing, like what we tell the, the kids is they're doing, you still need to do the research. You don't necessarily have to put everything you found in A2, but you need to do the research. So that's the difference. I guess the key thing for, for me anyway in, in my classes is A2 is their plan. I, I know if they've done the research by what they put in their design brief in A4. You can spot it a mile off, yeah. They've got their plan and everything, and I guess that then leads into that a3, which is that next part of their research where they're describing the main features of one existing product that inspires a solution to a problem. You can see there that I've taken that strand from year one criteria. Um, <laughs> which is where they get it wrong and continue to get it wrong for the next five years. Yeah. Obviously, if it was from year five, it would be a range of existing products. Yeah. Um, but if you get one right, you can thing. do a range, yeah. Yeah, and that's another thing where it's important as a department, you know, if you're in a school that's got a department, make sure you're all on the same page as to what a range is. But, yeah, and this is where make sure kids understand is you cannot analyse a chair from a picture on the internet. Yeah, without sitting in it. As well as that, before we we get into the nitty-gritty of, like, actually analysing, you're going to spot very quickly, aren't you, if they haven't done any prioritization of their research if they haven't figured out what the most important thing to learn about is by the products they choose to analyze next 
So if they go away, yeah, they're going to make, oh, I'm going to make a chair. And then they pick a, a toy car, a, a birthday cake, and an ironing board as their three products because they're the first three things they saw in the podcasting cupboard that they're currently sitting in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you get a very clear idea, even without reading the research from the other criteria strands, if they've done one or two of them incorrectly, and you can spot that a mile off. But the, the actual analyzing, what do we do there? I have a, a few key things I'll say to the kids. You're not describing it to me. I know what it fucking looks like. You don't need to describe it to me. I'm standing right next to you. But what you do need to tell me is what you think works well, why you might you know, use something similar in the product that you were going to create or why you wouldn't use that, the experience that the, the client has with the product as opposed to, oh, it's a red chair that's got four legs. Um, it's environmentally friendly because it's not made of plastic. And yeah. it cost $7.95. Yep. Thank you for that. Thank you for that description. It's not even description, really. That's stating, isn't it? Uh, yeah. yeah I, so, and you've got to be able to, you've got to be able to actually think about what you want to steal from this design or what you're inspired by, I suppose, is a better way of putting that. But, well, that's well, it. And that's where you've got to be able to, you've got to touch it, you've got to poke it, you've got to break it so you can understand it. Yeah, it's like what is it, Steve Jobs? It's the way the way it feels is what you want, not just looking at it or, or yeah. examining if it works or not. Well, in in so I've done with food, oh, um, yeah. where we were looking at at um, you, they had to create a hamburger that represented a, a culture. So the best way to analyze a product is not just to you know say to the kids because i'm I, I i fucking hate homework i don't think kids need to be worrying about homework they've got enough to Ooh, homework yeah without homework so okay happy days let's order in 23 cheeseburgers and sit and look at them and eat them and enjoy them while we analyze them and perfect if you've got vegos they can have the chips they can, they can go make, make make different choices. Uh, yeah, they can but still analyze something without eating it, but it it just it makes it a bit more enjoyable. It does. Even the novelty of saying like, "We're doing this," like, or or with even if you're doing furniture, you you go off around the school and you as a group, big group, you go sit on some chairs and put your legs up on a few tables and take some measurements and ask people, is this a comfortable chair? And, and just get up and out. I think with each of these strands, you've got to have at least one thing. If you're taking a couple of weeks over this criteria, at least one lesson per strand where you're up out of your chairs doing something. Yeah. And like we, the kids that are making dollhouses, so to analyze products, we went down and we spent an hour in the early years classrooms with the kids playing with the dolls houses that are down there. Perfect. Like there's there's a huge amount of of stuff there that's like, client research target audience it's anthropometrics ergonomics size you've got loads of stuff going on there materials studies if you really drill down deep into it but all you did was play with earlier students for an hour it's brilliant yeah and i guess the the thing is it's in in design there's only one of the 16 strands that actually talks about practical work 
mm-hmm. but you you can make sure that there's practical work in all 16 strands yeah so that the kids understand well this is this is what it's about it's about making stuff it's about breaking it apart it's about thinking how you've made it thinking what you need to do and then you know refining that so if you can incorporate as much as you know if you if you're doing your vanilla vanilla design as you describe it um if you're packing that much practical into a it'll make the rest of the the design cycle pretty exciting for them as well it will it, it just brings up the quality of everything else as well if they've done the practical research into making something they're not spending the time later on learning how to cut a joint or do a particular do a particular functioning code or or something like that they've they've already done that and they they know how to do it and they have the confidence moving forward to to put those skills into action right and this uh a4 i guess this is the uh the misunderstood teenager of the 16 strands uh no one really understands no one understands me man my purpose is here um Present the main findings of the re- relevant research. Yes, not everything um, you learned, not every single thing. Nah. So tell me here what like, this is where you can see the kids what research they've done. You can see what they've analyzed, what products they've analyzed as well. It's a design brief. It should be brief. Um, and I guess where this is a little bit different. A, d- a design brief in the real world where the clients told you sort of giving you some, some parameters to work with. But in this case, you're coming up with those as well. But essentially this is where you're saying what you're going to do, who it's for, if you can do it and how you'll know that you've been able to do it. Yeah. I like to equate this one to that. What's that? Well, there's the show it's called, it's called dragon's den in Ireland. What's it called in the rest of the world? Like shark tank. Oh, Shark Tank, yeah. Yeah, so like, yeah, here's my goal. Here's what I've found out so far. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's how I'm going to know if I did a good job or not. And here's all the research to back those points up. And then the class can go, nah, or yes, or maybe if you do this and you can have a little bit of fun with it. And then they write out those points maybe in more detail later on as their actual brief paragraph or, or, or maybe they just record the session and present that. Who knows? Yeah. Lots of different ways. How so? How if if your kid was going to write this up for your class, Dave? What sort of length are you looking at? Uh, you're talking about uh, two or two to three statements for each of those sort of main aspects. You've got your goal. You've got your your research findings to support that. Actually, no, you, you scrap research. I don't have that. I used to have that as a separate section. Now I've just scrapped that. So I've got my design goal. I've got my potential problems or constraints on the project. So like it's, I've only got this long to create it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, I've got my target audience clients. I've got Good. stakeholders yeah. who's involved. Yep. And then I've got success criteria. So some basic, not like a specification list of like the ins and the outs, but some basic, like I'll know I did a good job if the product does this for the target audience. And each one of those yeah. statements and I- has some research linked in rather than, that's it, and that's the key thing, right? It, there's some a, a link to your your research, research done or through the product analysis. There's a link to each in each statement that you make there. Back to your yeah. research, and like everything else in the IB, you can present it in many different ways. You can present it in audio, visual, 
whatever you want. And and it the only thing I suppose that complicates the way you link your research and you reference stuff and different like that. But for students who have different abilities and, and different needs, it's it's something worth to consider. Yeah. And I think like having having a fixed way to do it for the younger year levels is fine. You know, you might say, okay, we're going to do it this way this time. And then the next time you you go through a unit, you do it differently again. So you're exposing them to different ways so that when they get up to M4, M5, they're choosing which one they feel suits their, their style mm-hmm. or, the, or the situation of, of what it is that they're, they're putting forward. Yeah. One of the things that I like that I've heard from a lot of people is like, oh, well, it can't be brief. I know the design brief, but it's a brief as in like, I'm briefing you. They say, like, it can't be brief because you've got to get so much information in there. It's like, well, we talked about it's only the only the important research, isn't it? First of all, and let's think ahead to the evil that is the diploma where you're talking about limits on word count. So if you can't say it quickly and concisely, you're not saying it. So get it out and get it done. Yeah, and it's it's trying to instill in the kids that more is not better. No, yeah. I'm not going to throw it down the stairs and the, the portfolio that makes it the furthest gets the eight. Yeah. So a grading strategy out the window. But I think, yeah, my, my key tips for for criterion A would be connected as much to examples and, and things that are happening or you know, that might be in the classroom or in the school or whatever. So kids can make that connection to the whole process where they can see that was a problem, that was why it was a problem, that was a solution in the end. So they can see, you know, what it is they're working towards. Mm-hmm. but just try and keep it connected to the discipline you're doing. If you're in materials, keep using materials while you're doing it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Kids that chose materials didn't want to spend a quarter of the unit doing digital work. Yeah. You know your audience. Like, yeah, they want to be working with their hands. That's why they're here. That's right. So that's, um, that would be my tip. And, you know, you, you don't need to get bogged down in heavy words. It's, it's it's not english no it's not it's if you can like why use a paragraph on a sentence will do sort of thing isn't it that's right and and yes you may need to spend a bit of time to look at referencing and citation that's fine that's that's another skill you fuck put that in then done there's some more fucking research that they've done yeah or even if you've got some heavy content you need to get through let's say you're it's your first ever digital robotics unit and you're, you're looking to use some sort of robotics tool to solve a problem and you don't want to, you, first of all maybe you don't want to go through all this with them in the classroom maybe it's just something that's got to be done on a computer well that we don't like homework but maybe you're obliged to set 20 minutes homework a week or whatever well that's when you get them on code avengers or you get them off learning a flip classroom and then you come back and you go right they're all set up go use the code you just learned and then we have a practical lesson hands-on with with that heavy digital content already in the back back pocket. Same with same with um, like with food. You know, get them to analyze the meal that they had at home. Micro practicals for like cooking skills. All right, today we're doing um, how to I don't know fry an egg, and that's learning how to use something very basic. Yeah, if you're at home and your, your parents are cooking dinner, or you know whoever's cooking dinner for you at home, ask some questions. Why are they doing it that way? Yep. What's the process? You know, that's, that's some primary research for you then in, into that, 
where you're looking at it. So there's there's lots of different ways to do it. You just you just got to be creative. And like I said back at the start, this unit this unit this criteria is really only as boring as the person that's that's leading it. If your kids are saying this criteria is shit, then you need to have a think about the way you're delivering it. Yeah, and that that goes for all the criteria really, but especially with this one, it can be it's it's the one that can most easily fall apart, I think, and become a rote learning exercise or a typing class or just not a good time. But if you're into it and you you can engineer some pretty simple activities, then you can keep that momentum up through the unit. So one other element to this is deciding as a as a department and as a teacher, if you're on your own, what are the what are the skills you you sort of want to push. We don't necessarily have content in most applications of NYP design, but we do need to make a decision about what the students are earning and how that, how that works. What do you do? Well, for one, you need to make sure you're all on the same page as to, to, to what skills are needed. So that's where you're looking at your um, vertical articulation and, and backward planning from the top back down. But I guess that's a whole another kettle of of fish so to speak um about mapping out your, your low medium high skills and what makes a skill high what makes the skill low that type of thing like always if you've got any comments drop us a line uh on the bluebird or in you can rate us on uh, on apple podcasts recommend us to a friend even colleague a design colleague that maybe wants to learn or just another colleague that just wants to have a laugh at a couple of idiots talking rubbish for sort of half an hour each week yes but um yes next week come back and we will map the shit out of the design room (laughs) see you later happy days You have been listening to The Learning Factory. Thank you for your attention. End of recording.